Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to your God's Love Podcast. I'm Haley Helveston. This podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. I have Nick Caputo here, and he is a coach, and he teaches his clients about the Caputo Method. So welcome, Nick. Thank you. What's up, Yes. <laughs> I'm very, very excited to talk with you. Love what you're doing. So tell everybody about who you are. So my name is Nick Caputo. I am a holistic healer, spelled with a W, holistic healer. And I created the Caputo Method as a guide, uh, a framework of guidance to help people reverse all forms of disease. And I prefer to say restore all forms of ease. So pretty much if you're not at ease in all facets of your being, you are diseased. And my goal as a coach is to teach you how to restore ease on your own. Mm, yes. I love that. Self-empowerment. Yeah. Exactly. It all lies within you. I'm not the healer. You're the healer. I just teach you how to do it. I'm, I'm a reflection of you reminding you what you already know. Mm, that's good. Yeah, because do you feel, I love how you said that, if you're not empowered in every area of your life, you are dis-ease, which that's like mm -hmm. most people, right? Yeah, pretty much everybody. Yeah. For the most part. Okay, so what led you to do this work? Um, so I broke my neck a couple years ago, and I just wanted to learn how to heal faster because I wanted to get back into, like, I, I broke my neck snowboarding in Colorado, so I didn't want to miss, like, the summer of surfing from this, from the injury. So I just really wanted to look up stuff about nutrition and anything that would help me heal faster and stuff like that because they told me it would be about a year to heal, like, six months in the neck brace and then six months PT. And... At the same time, I had like really bad heartburn because I was eating like shit and didn't know any different. And the doctors just kept giving me like pills for heartburn and stuff. And I was like, I'm 18 years old. Like there's got to be a way to do this without pills for the rest of my life. And they were just looking at me like, what do you mean? We got pills. And I was just like, all right, I got to look up shit on my own. And then I started researching. I decided to go fruitarian. I, I learned from a couple people that I found through social media about fruitarianism, I decided to just like say, fuck it, I'll, I'll do fruitarian for a little bit. My heartburn was completely gone in four days for the first time in my life since I could remember, like since I was like three years old, I didn't have to take a pill to not have heartburn. And I was like, all right, this is some pretty profound stuff. So I just stuck with it and I healed my neck. I got out of the neck brace in three months, which was half the time they told me. And then I got, I was done with PT in another three. So basically I turned a year into six months with that. And then from there, it was more so like I was just defending myself through like interactions socially with people with the fruitarianism, like everybody thinking I'm crazy only eating fruit, like, oh, where are you going to get your protein and like all, you know, other common questions that you get from people. So through that, I just did a lot of research pretty much to be able to defend myself and living in Jersey, like people are kind of hostile, like people love to like rip people or like, you know, people are very heavily triggered by things and really want to like expose things for being nonsense, even if they don't know whether or not they are like they, they love to ask questions like that. So you got to kind of be on the defense. If you're ever going to do something that your average person isn't doing, you got to be ready to explain yourself. So that was pretty much the main reason why I started researching so heavily. And then it just got to the point where people would try to say something and I would have so much information to back what I was doing that people would actually ask me like, what's actually good with this? Like, I'm kind of interested now. And then after a long time, you know, people would see like how much better my skin got and how much thicker and longer my hair is now. And like my eyes and, you know, my energy levels and just like how happy I am. And then people started coming to me and asking me like, all right, what are you up to? And then eventually I just started coaching. I did a year free coaching for disease reversal um, and gained a lot of experience and helped a lot of people with a bunch of different diseases for free. And then once I got a lot of experience and testimonials, I decided to start charging. And that was like two years ago. Wow. That is so amazing. I love it. Yeah. Cause I think that um, it's like people now are more open-minded to what is different because that's working more than the other approach. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The typical Western medicine shit isn't even working. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Cause I used to be on antidepressants and so I was like, there's gotta be a better way than me being on antidepressants. Then I was having side effects. 
So I went to my psychiatrist and she said, oh, don't worry about it. We can just put you on another pill to counteract the side effects of that pill. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're, they're dealers, not healers. Yes, I love how, yeah, I saw you said that in one of your videos. Okay, so y'all, let let's get into this here. Go into cancer is caused by dehydration. Okay, so, and, and for anybody who's interested, there's also a free ebook. So I, I wrote an ebook about this and released it for free on my website. And there's also a, an audio book version of it available for free on my YouTube. But essentially, cancer is a deprivation of oxygen. So what happens is, and it really starts with dehydrated thoughts and emotions, which really start with dehydrating breaths or mouth breaths. So you're taking shallow fragmented breaths, which result in shallow fragmented thoughts and emotions, which you then suppress with physically dehydrating substances to suppress, you know, those emotions and thoughts. Basically, like think of a, a fragmented breath as like a small piece of a breath. So if you're taking smaller pieces of breaths, you're getting small pieces of thoughts coming in everywhere. And it's a lot to, to process because there, there's just so much ambiguity in your mind and like you're overthinking essentially. And then this results in quick sporadic emotions and emotional reactions to little pieces of thoughts. And really the main pe reason why people dehydrate is emotional like instability or built up emotional trauma. So if you dehydrate for a long time and then you end up um, like you have a lot of stored emotion inside of you and what water is the element of emotion. So when you dehydrate, you're suppressing emotion because you're literally drying out the physical part of the emotion inside your body and everything externally reflects the internal. So basically when you suppress those emotions with dehydrating substances, you are, your body has to do different things to, keep you alive essentially because those things are poison anything that's less than 70 percent water is going to steal water from you so anything that you're consuming you're merging with anything that you're merging with is going to take from you what it lacks so in that sense whenever you consume something that's dry or less than 70 percent water it's going to steal water from you now mucus is part of the the digestion process there's nothing that you could ever possibly eat that is not mucus forming and this is a misconception in the health community that there's this mucusless diet like arnold Eretz's book or whatever like there is nothing you can eat that does not form mucus in your body mucus is part of the digestive process it's part of the immune system and everything you could ever eat you're allergic to it's poison nothing of the earth is meant for your body you're not designed to eat food no matter what it is, whether it's fruit, nuts, seeds, whatever, your body will make mucus no matter what the fuck you eat. So if you, I mean, and mucus is what holds the feces together and it's part of your body releasing leptin, which is the chemical that lets you know that you're full. And also um, just the actual substance of filling up your stomach when you eat, the mucus will attach to the food and give it that kind of texture that allows it to slide through the GI tract. So no matter what, when you're eating, you're consuming, you're, you're secreting mucus through the mucous membrane in the GI tract. So when you eat something dry, that mucus gets dry. And that's where the, the, the water is being stolen from is the mucus in the GI tract. So when this happens, you consume dry food, it steals the water from the mucus, the mucus dries out and becomes what we call plaque. And this plaque is basically stored emotion and it lines the GI tract and the colon essentially. So this is really where it starts, um, where cancer starts and where most other diseases start is in the colon. So we could talk specifically with cancer. What happens from there is when the colon is swollen or when that plaque builds up over time and people continue to eat dry food for decades and decades and decades, it builds up and it kind of accumulates or not just on the lining of the of the colon and the large intestine but also like in the shape of like a spiral staircase so like think of a tube with like a spiral staircase of like dry shit stuck in it and people see this like with some of my clients like 25 days into a fast on green juice and herbal tea and for some of them they do the urine they see huge bowel releases like you know like eight foot long like it looks like a serpent like a snake of a spiral staircase of shit 
it's disgusting and it's black or, or really dark brown and there's worms in it eating it and like there's all yeah the worms that live in your intestines are feeding on this stuff that's in there so the blood has three main methods of elimination number one is the breath and that would be 70 percent. the bulk the bulk of elimination from waste in the blood is through respiration when you breathe you're getting air down to the lower lungs or when you breathe with your diaphragm like you're supposed to you're getting air down to the lower lungs where the blood connects to the air in the capillaries at the in the lower lungs and there's an exchange so most of your waste through your blood just gets out through respiration it's the most efficient form of elimination number two would be the liver and the colon so your liver filters out blood from i mean waste from the blood and then the waste that gets filtered out from the liver goes to the feces to the colon and the third one would be the skin so what happens here is when we continue to dehydrate and swell the colon with this mass of undigested just dehydrated shit stuck inside of us we kind of impact the two main eliminatory methods for waste in the blood so first with the colon obviously the colon is blocked if we have all this stuff stuck in it now people think oh i'm not constipated because i'm still pooping but that's because it's it's that spiral staircase it forms in a way that still allow allows things to pass through it's just nowhere near as efficient as it should be and after people shit out this big mass of stuff they lose their whole gut and because this is all this is all intestines right here this whole area like there's no really other organs it's all intestines and just muscle so you know everybody has an eight pack you just have like layers of snot and just pounds and pounds of shit stuck in you at that point in that area so when you clear out the colon that whole thing kind of goes down pretty quickly so enemas are a good move too for people who are trying to do this faster urine enemas don't do anything with coffee or saline or any of that other nonsense yeah what do you think about because i had someone on my podcast talk about coffee enemas he was very adamant of that that well, yeah i wouldn't use coffee for anything coffee doesn't belong anywhere near your body it's uh it's an excitotoxin basically like your colon absorbs everything like just it's basically like have you ever heard of like teenagers like butt chugging like alcohol and then they get like alcohol alcohol poisoning like they get super super hammered like the colon absorb th absorbs things super fast so it's basically like drinking a coffee like butt chugging a coffee <laughs> and doing it like that and you get super riled up and you get super like stimulated and any stimulants damage your nervous system so anybody who's trying to heal like the nervous system is one of the most important systems of the body that you want to restore balance to and any stimulants like caffeine or like processed sugar or salt they all damage the, ner the nervous system so what happens with caffeine specifically is it's an ex it's an excitotoxin so basically what it does is it gets your brain cells like super super excited to the point where they overexert themselves and die and it's a forcing it's like you're raping your brain to use energy that it didn't want to use mm. yeah because i feel like the whole coffee enema thing is so big now you know yeah <laughs> uh dr max gerson made it um more pop made it basically put it on the map about a hundred years ago and i mean the thing is with coffee is like it's it's like the third most genetically modified plant on earth it's so mass produced it's so heavily sprayed with pesticides it's for me like that's not something i would put directly into my colon or like i wouldn't even you couldn't pay me to drink coffee but i mean the the thing is with it is especially with enemas like the coffee will mostly just take and everything, in my opinion, like the way that I go about the healing process or teaching the healing process is that everything is an even exchange and everything is an even exchange in the first place. Anything that gives also takes. But coffee is more of just a take-take relationship, whereas with the urine, it's more of a give-take relationship because your urine is your blood. Like I said before, how the urine, uh, how the blood is filtered by the liver and the liver takes the waste out. The kidneys don't filter waste. The kidneys reabsorb nutrients back into the blood. And this is the this is the ancient uh, traditional Chinese medicine understanding of how the kidneys and liver work, and it was you know thousands of years before the English language was constructed back when you know Americas were were Northwest Africa, so you know Western medicine is kind of guess guessworking it here, like they really have no idea even how the organs work. They just know how to use machines to see them. Um, that's pretty much it. And they, they test a bunch of different irrelevant measurements that don't really actually 
tell you how you're doing for the most part. Um, it's, it's actually really laughable that Western medicine, once you like really understand or understand how disease works and how the body works, it's the way that Western medicine, one, educates people and two, treats people is absolutely absurd and hysterical. Well, the only reason it's not really hysterical is because they're mass murdering people, but. No, I agree with you on that. Their approach is hysterical. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I remember when I got off, because this is several years ago, kind of led me to doing all this. When that woman was like, oh, okay, well, you can just put you on another pill to counteract the side effects of that pill. That's when I was like, mm, no. Yeah, exactly. With, with the heartburn for me, that's exactly what they were doing. They were like, okay, try the Nexium. And then they were like, oh, try the next, try the Dexalon and then try the Prolisec. And I'm like, you guys are just fucking trial and erroring different drugs. Like mm -hmm. you guys don't have a solution. Like there's something I should stop eating. I, I don't, yeah. People are insane when it comes to like believing Western medicine and their, their nonsense. It's, it's really like the pharmaceutical industry is a weapon against humanity. No, really I do is. believe that. And, and, the, and think, well, think about, yes, it is. But also when this, in the terms of the fact that all the women that are on birth control, like I got on birth control when I was in high school and all the other girls were on it too, you know? Yeah. They get girls on it mad early. And then go into, you said that you said this in a recent post, how women aren't supposed to bleed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was yesterday. I posted that. Yeah. I'm not supposed to bleed. Um, and not at least not every moon cycle. So like it's more of a conscious thing for women when they decide to when they decide to release it. Um, like once you really clean out your body, like I've had thousands of women cl female clients realize after like cleaning out their bodies, going on fast or doing like the breathwork boot camp that they're like, holy shit! Like I didn't, I'm I'm skipping my period. You know, I'm not uh I'm not releasing anything. I'm not bleeding, and a lot of meat. Uh, advocates, people that advocate for carnivorism or, um, you know, advocate against veganism. And I, I don't really like to identify as a vegan. Like I'm not a vegan. I just don't eat animals. Um, I hate labels like that because veganism is a cult and they all eat potato chips and they all eat like, you know, whatever. Veganism is not a word that I like to associate with anything that I advocate for. But basically um, what they, what they say is that like you miss your period and this is a bad thing. Now, I mean, a female is born with every egg that she'll ever have in her body already at birth. So every time that you get a period, every moon cycle, you're depleting yourself, you're losing one. And this is why we, we run into menopause. Women that don't miss cycles, women that are constantly shedding eggs, run out of eggs, and then boom, now you can't reproduce. Menopause. So what happens is if you refine your energy, you don't release and then you act, you can save them and recycle them and reuse them. And the human body is supposed to live hundreds of years. Like we're being sold short, like in every facet of our being, we are supposed to live multiple hundred years or potentially over a thousand years. If you look at any old text, this was how long people were living back in the Egyptian days, back in the Sumerian days, even further back than that, you know, all the, you know, in Kemet, your average person was living a lot longer than we're living now. And it's because we're being poisoned on in every way possible, every level. They're poisoning the air, they're poisoning the food, they're poisoning the water, they're giving us medications, they're, you know, everything, the 5G, the, the cell phones, the Wi-Fi, the microwaves, the ovens, the refrigerators, the radar, the radio waves, everything is like, this is all stuff that's relatively new to, to earth. And this is why, you know, the whole animal kingdom and humanity is kind of fucked up in a way. And it's, there's a lot of unnatural stuff being mixed with the natural and it's kind of like a weird combination. And we're in an interesting time where just like humanity is kind of forced to adjust with such a high level of technology that no organism on this planet has ever, or on this plane has ever, you know, had to integrate with essentially. So we're running into a lot of um, health concerns, which is, you could see a lot about this in my book called heart disease is dehydration. So this is all about the circulatory system and how electricity free flowing electrons powers the blood flow and the heart and how when we have metals in our bodies along with these electromagnetic frequencies from technology, we actually inhibit the separation of charges that fuels our blood flow.
So there's a lot of things in society these days that kind of like counteracts health, (laughs) but we're supposed to live super long, like hundreds of years without, you know, being poisoned, just like a tree, just like a tree, essentially, like a tree will never stop growing unless it's cut down or poisoned. We continue to grow throughout our lives. Like I've continued to get taller after they told me I was done growing, continuing to to grow um, physically in pretty much all aspects. Like my, my natural body weight now is about three pounds heavier in the last couple of years than it was. And by natural body weight, I mean like when you fast enough and you get all the gunk out, it's like the weight that you're at when you cannot possibly lose any more weight. So like when I first started fasting, like I did my first 90 day fast, I could like, I was at 115 pounds, like, and no matter how much I fasted, no matter what I do, how much I run, I cannot go below 115 pounds, like no matter what. Muscle, uh, losing muscle is something that people misinterpret too. Like you don't lose muscle, you lose snot. You like most people have swollen muscles because they work out hard, they tear their microfibers and then they overeat and they just stuff snot into their muscles, which gives them the appearance of being a lot bigger, but their muscles are actually already a lot smaller than they think that they are. So when people fast or when people do this and they look smaller, it's not because you lost muscle. All you did was lose everything that wasn't muscle but you don't really deteriorate muscle on fasts. Like I fasted for multiple months at a time and not lost a single pound. So. Okay. And so tell me again, so everybody's aware of this, when you're fasting, are you doing just a water fast juice? What are you doing? So I do a bunch of different ones. Basically like I'm, I'm working on the course right now. It's a, it's a ebook and a course called how to fast. There's nine levels of fasting type and nine levels of fasting length um, in, in the Caputo method. So anything from a fruit fast for beginners, like eating only fruit. And again, technically it's not a fast. It's just, um, I refer to it as a fast because it's like a challenge. You're fasting from something, but technically like in technical terms, a fast is ketosis where you're only doing herbal tea, distilled water or urine. Those are pretty much the only things that don't break ketosis. Um, So basically anywhere from a fruit fast to doing juices, I don't ever recommend fruit juice though, unless you're 90 plus days into a fast or you've been, you have a lot of experience fasting, but for newcomers, you definitely don't want anything to do with fruit juice with all that sugar and no fiber. You might as well drink alcohol with the amount of stuff that's stuck in your intestines because anything that slows the absorption or the assimilation of sugars into uh, the small intestine into the blood will result in the fermentation to alcohol. So this happens anytime you eat starch, anytime you eat bread, carrots, broccoli, pasta, uh, beans, lentils, it's, you're basically eating alcohol. It's auto brewery. You're, you're brewing ethanol in your body from the sugars, not getting absorbed fast enough. Any complex sugar will do that. Any candy, any, any refined sugar is going to do that because they're just complex. It's a complex chain of glucose molecules that the body can't break down fast enough before the fermentation occurs. So when you, I went off on a tangent there. What was the original question? <laughs> I was asking, is why I was asking this is because I've done water fast, fast, and, fast and I've done juice fast, but yeah, so people are aware. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, you can do, I, the basic one that I have most beginners do that's like the challenging one is like, I'll have them warm up with a couple days of fruit and get used to it, get like, because fruit is basically like a mop for the GI tract. It's got that wet fiber. So it'll sweep things through and get the big bulk out. But then usually I would do, uh, green juice. So that would be dandelion, green watercress, uh, cilantro, and then cucumber and celery as the diluters and then herbal teas. And there's a whole list of herbs that I recommend in my ebook, uh, death style to lifestyle transition guide. And that is, uh, on my store for only 33 bucks. And that's got a list of all my approved foods and non-approved foods for beginners. And basically just an outline of the breatharian process. Um, and then yeah, you can do distilled water, but I don't really recommend drinking water by itself. I usually recommend doing the herbal teas instead of the water because there's no carbon attached to, to plain water. And there's no way to get clean water. Like spring water has rocks and metals in it and Kangen water is just, anything that's made by a machine is dead water. It's not made by a living organism. So it's not going to have carbon attached to it. And that's where the herbs come in. So if you're going to drink water in any way, you should use it with herbs, if anything. And uh, urine therapy, you know, drinking urine on your fasts. Um, and you know, the less dense that you get, the more intense you get. 
Okay. So, so I want to ask this real quick. You hear a lot of people are pro Kagan. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a big one. Um, yeah, people like to call it living, like they market it as living water. And I can't fathom the fact that they say that because nothing living will ever come out of a man-made machine. It's not alive. It doesn't have consciousness. It's not living. It's not attached to carbon. Every molecule in your body is attached to carbon. Every molecule in every living organism on earth is attached to carbon. And not a single molecule in Kangen water is attached to carbon. So if you're going to, and Kangen water is great for cleaning produce or cleaning your house or using it for things like that, but not for drinking. And people are like, oh, but how do people get so much healing benefits and so many testimonials? It's like, it's better than soda. <laughs> it's better than what you were drinking. It's better than tap water. Anytime that you fix mistakes, you're going to get results. But the results are limited. There's like, like people claim that raw meat has such healing power, but there's lots of healing beyond raw meat. So like, it's the same thing like veganism. People go vegan and they're like, oh, wow, I feel so much better, whatever. Like, oh, I'm raw vegan. Like, oh my God, I feel so good. That's only because you were eating bread and like super dense bullshit. So obviously, like once you take a step in the right direction, you're going to feel a lot better. But even then, there's more steps to take. You're not at the finish line. So, And, and for somebody to spend $5,000 on a water machine that's not even really the finish line, it just seems counterintuitive and unproductive from my perspective, especially considering a water distiller is only 250 bucks. It's literally like 20 times less expensive than a Kangen machine. Mm, yeah, I didn't know it was that much. That is a good point. Okay, so tell everyone, so you don't eat anything? Um, I eat fruit on occasion. Pretty much just for entertainment, though, not really for sustenance. Like, I feel better when I don't eat than when I do eat the fruits. But sometimes, like, you know, right now I'm back in New Jersey. I live in the Dominican Republic. I'm back in New Jersey for a little because I came to visit my mom for her birthday. So, basically, like, when I'm hanging out with my family and they're eating, like, whatever, I'll just, like, pick on raspberries or something. So, it's like... Sometimes I have to eat something, just not, not for like sustenance or not for nutrients or not for energy, but more so to like not dumb myself down, but bring myself to a density where I can relate to people. Mm, yeah. So it's more so to just relate to people than it is like for like, and for like entertainment, like raspberries taste good, like papayas taste good, stuff like that. Um, like it's basically just for the entertainment at this point. I feel a lot better when I don't eat than when I do eat. Um, but mostly fasting like eating a couple days a week like three days a week three meals a week tops and those meals are like one little packet of raspberries or like a half a papaya or like two yellow dragon fruits or something like that and that's like my whole meal for the day and i definitely do not eat every day mm -hmm. like, yeah. i can't fathom eating two days in a row you can't what i can't fathom eating two days in a row like when i eat something i don't eat again until the first thing comes out yeah, it's very interesting. It's so funny because, you know, I used to work in a lot of gyms and there they were like five meals a day. You know, you got to get your protein in and all this stuff. It's just so interesting how we're overeating. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And overeating in addition to eating the dry stuff is, is why we run into so many problems. Like you can overeat fruit. Just like I said before, anything that slows the absorption of sugar is going to ferment it into alcohol. So when you overeat fruit, your stomach is only the size of your fist. So you can only digest that much food at one time. So if you're eating like so much watermelon, you're, you're inevitably brewing alcohol in your body. So you can overeat anything. And I mean, if that's overeating, imagine what eating five meals a day of starch and, and protein is going to do. Starch and protein is the worst food combination possible. That's literally what that, that spiral staircase is made of. Yeesh. Okay, and then say for people that are new to this, would you just tell them to start with the do the fruit is that what you're saying yes yeah, start off with fruit i mean for people to start you could even just go raw vegan but i i don't like the term vegan like raw plants like raw um there's a bunch of stuff that you can do like don't eat dry nuts though like try to keep everything 70 percent water and raw everything that you're eating 70 percent water and raw so i mean for some people they do the raw meat thing and they get great results it's not like you know cooking is worse is the worst thing like eat eat natural food that is raw and that is 70% water. 
So, I mean, and if you're going to do raw meat, like you literally should be killing the animal yourself and doing it. And if you can't stomach that, then you shouldn't be eating it. And someone who can't stomach that is me. So I don't eat animals. <laughs> I don't get the, I mean, I know the carnivore diet is very trendy, but I've never gotten it. Yeah. I don't really resonate with it at all. It's like the animalistic side of you is like the lowest part of you. It's, you know, it's living from a very low point on the tree of life. It's not, it's not as sustainable. It's not as like, you're a slave to food at that point. Like all you're thinking about is killing an animal to get food rather than just being and doing whatever you want that lights you up. It's like breatharianism is all about sovereignty. It's food sovereignty. It's the highest state of sovereignty. So what I teach includes legal sovereignty, financial sovereignty. Like it's, it all has to do with the healing process, like freedom in all aspects of your being. So like the food is one part. And for most people, it's the hardest part. Mm, yes, I love I mean, that. Declaring your rights is one, is one thing. I mean, you have lots of rights as a natural organism on this earth that society and that, you know, the, the system tries to educate you against that you are like, you're, you don't need a driver's license to drive, for example. Like driving is a commercial term. If you're not getting paid to drive, you have no business getting a driver's license. You have a constitutional right to travel you can travel without a driver's license without being subject to all the stupid nonsense rules that they, that they extort people for. Um, yeah. So things like that is part of sovereignty and then financial sovereignty, like not needing to work for corporations that enslave the population um, and finding, you know, what it is that you have as a skill or, or developing skills and, and actually being the value rather than working for the value. Um, and then, you know, if you're not a creator, you're a consumer. So if you're creating something, you're creating value for yourself and for the world, the, the energy comes full circle in the first place. And you don't have to really worry about working for a corporation. And when you're in full alignment with yourself and you're creating and you're in alignment with creation, you have no desire for food. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Cause let's go into this. Cause I'm sure the people listening can relate to this, the whole emotional eating thing, not being able to manage emotions that's the biggest thing. And then, and then the inability to do that is when we go to the food. Exactly. So a lot of it comes from the fact that when we're kids, we're kind of forced to eat anyway. Like if you look at like most children, they don't want to eat when their parents make them eat. And they're mostly forced. This was a big thing with me. I was one of those little kids where I was like, I'm not fucking eating mom. Like it's, I'm not eating. Like I would go days without eating without like, you know, I would lie to my parents and like, whatever, like, and I always had more energy whenever I wasn't eating. Like, you know, as a kid, when you're playing and you're not thinking about eating because you're having fun, you're so present in the moment. And then your parents make you eat something. And then after you eat, you're like, oh, I don't want to play anymore. Like, I feel like shit. Like, I'm tired now. And food really does not give you energy. Food takes away your energy. It costs you energy to process food. If you're tired after you ate, your food ate you. Who's eating who? You know? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Yeah, it really starts with when we're kids and then we get kind of, anytime you dehydrate, you're storing emotion because you're drying out the mucus. So you're drying out water in the body or you're drying out emotion in the body and suppressing it and storing it. Whether you realize you're doing it or not, you're still doing it. So what happens is later in life, we have so much built up emotion that we're like fucking loose emotional cannons. So that's the reason why most people can't regulate their emotions because they've been building them up since they were a kid. And then whenever you stop eating or whenever something triggers you, you experience what's called what I like to call emotional vomit. It's like you taste the emotions on the way back up. Like if you were to throw up food, you're like, oh yeah, it was the fish that got me. You know, it's like, oh shit. It was like this experience that got me back in the day. That's what's been holding me back. So the thing is, is when we experience this emotional vomit. We are unfamiliar with it. It's not something that we've been taught about. It's not something that is even like mainstreamly even like aware in anybody for the most part. So we feel this and we think that we're going fucking crazy and that this is the result of not eating. So we should eat. And then, you know, people associate being numb with feeling good. So they're very different. Like most people don't know what it's like to actually feel good. They just know what it's like to not feel bad. So like when you eat food and your sadness goes away or when something goes, when you smoke weed and your depression goes away, it's not going away. It's just, you're temporarily numb from it. And then as soon as you stop smoking, that's why it comes back. As soon as you stop eating, that's why it comes back. And the thing is, is with the fasting, 
you go through the process of what I call emotional rehydration. I wrote about, I wrote a book about this too. It's also for $33 on my online store, all about the process of releasing emotions and, and the emotional side of fasting, which I feel like nobody in the health industry is really talking about. And it's something, it's, it's the main reason why people don't sustain a lot of these lower density diets or lifestyles. And with the emotional side of things, it is very intense and emotional vomit is no fucking joke. Like you're going to think that you're losing your fucking mind. And if you're aware of what's going on, you can say, okay, this is, this is part of the process. This is beautiful. I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm feeling what I need to feel. All of this is meant for me. And if you're not aware of it, you're like, I'm losing my fucking mind. What am I doing? I need to eat. I'm going to die. And people aren't ready for that part of it that side of it people think it's just going to be physical and nobody is really taught about this emotional side and this is why most people fail this is why people go back to eating after fasting and say fasting is no good fasting's a mess don't fast it's not good for you i gained all this weight well you gained all this weight after fasting because you broke it with bread because you were emotional and didn't weren't aware of it and yeah breaking a fast any fool can fast anybody can just stop eating but the real skill, the real discipline comes with how you break it. Which, okay, so, so go into how should we break a fast? Uh, very, 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 very lightly with high water stuff. So if you're, like, if you're on a breath fast or what people refer to as a dry fast, not consuming anything, you should break that with like something light like coconut water or like an herbal tea, something like that, or urine. And then if you're breaking that, you're like, if you're on coconut water, green juice, something like that, you break that with like a smoothie, like a light smoothie, like berries, something like that, or like a blended melon, like a blended cantaloupe or honeydew or something like that. And then break the smoothies with fruit. So that could be like, you know, like a handful of berries or an orange or two or something like that. And then from there, you can just gently slowly work your way up i usually say that a third a third of your fasting length should be dedicated to the to the refeeding to the breaking so like if you're fasting for 90 days it should take you 30 days after you break to like so on day 120 is the day that you should really be like back to food regularly so like a third of the time that you're fasting it should take to get you back into food so if you're fasting for seven days or, or for nine days just for sake of easy calculation for not if you fast for nine days it should take you three days before you're back to normal eating like three days of like very small amounts of food working your way back up to food okay and i'm just glad you brought the emotional component too because you're right not that many people are discussing that i've done a few water fast and those last few hours are you know <laughs> yeah definitely and the longer you go the more intense the emotions get and like the more you heal your body, the more sensitive you become emotionally anyway. Like if you fast long enough, like I'm like a five-year-old <laughs> emotionally. Like I feel emotions like crazy. I walk in the room, I can feel everybody's emotions. Like I could tell if somebody's mad before I even open the door. Mm. Like why is it? Why is that? That's the way humans are designed to be. Like we mm. are just super sensitive. Like when you take mushrooms or any kind of psychedelic, you're basically like Tap, it's basically like autocorrect for your breathing pattern. So it puts you in a state of hypersensitivity. That's what like mushrooms are. That's what acid is. It's just sensory overload, hypersensitivity. So your eyes work better. Your ears work better. Your sense of touch works better. So it's like you're not seeing things on psychedelics that aren't there. You're seeing things that are always there, but that you're usually too numb to see. And when we, when we eat, we desensitize. So our vision gets less intense. Our hearing gets less intense. Our smell gets less intense. Our sense of touch gets less intense. We're desensitized to everything. So as you get off food, you just become more sensitive to everything. Because water absorbs, think about it. If you're more hydrated, water absorbs everything. Like water takes on all energy. Like your thoughts next to water, structure the water. You can look up the book, um, The Hidden Messages in Water by Dr. Emoto. And basically what he did was he went up to water and he would basically think different thoughts and write different things on the bottle. So he would, he would say, I love this water and put, and put it in the fridge and freeze it. And then another one and say, I hate this water and put a label on that one and put it in the, in the freezer. And the structure of these waters was completely different. The one that he said, I love you too, was completely like beautifully sacred ge geometrically structured. And the hate, the I hate you water was like all fucked up and randomly like frozen. 
Mm, I've heard that. That's so powerful. I did mushrooms the first time last year and you're right. It did open me up a lot, a lot. Like I mm -hmm. wasn't expecting it and I literally cried really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's super emotional for people. And it's, um, the reason why things are psychedelic is because like I said, those, the extra senses. So when you see those fractals, those fractals are always there. You just normally can't see them. Music sounds better. You know, it's, it's like, a extended version of weed. Weed is a mild psychedelic, but weed, when you smoke something, it does shallow the breath. So Okay. So tell us then, since you're in that state, do you like, you said you're more sensitive, right? You're empathic. Cause I'm an yeah. empath. Um, do you feel like all your psychic uh, senses are there? Yeah, pretty much for the most part, especially when I'm fasting longer. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's like basically a mushroom trip. Like if you see pictures of me or like in general, like my pupils are always big. <laughs> it's like, if I stare at something long enough, I start to see the fractals. Like it's pretty crazy, especially like after breathwork, like after my session, I have a good hour of like, like basically feeling like I'm on mushrooms. Like I don't need to do psychedelics because I am the psychedelic. Oh my God. That's crazy. That's, yep. that's the thing with all drugs, pretty much. Like you don't get high from the drug. You get high from what your brain releases in response to the drug. You, uh, you always have been the drug. Like you like hair, people like heroin because they release dopamine. They like food because they release dopamine. You like having fun because you release serotonin. Like different things are just all internal chemicals. You like hurting your organs because you get high on endorphins, all different things. So we're all so chasing chemicals. Drug. Yeah. I mean, basically your body is just a big bag of chemicals and at your, your chemistry, you know, everything is chemicals. It's all, it's all light in different arrangements. So what do you think about all the spiritual people talking about how we're moving from 3d to 4d to 5d and love and unity consciousness and how people are going to create the new earth. Do you think that's a load of BS? I think the 4D, 5D thing is kind of a bunch of hoopla. Like people who say that don't really know what they mean by that. Um, I mean, they're not like adding dimensions to the 3D. And like there's, there's a group of people right now that are doing things uh, like eating McDonald's, saying that it's like 5D food and it's like the new breatharian food. And it literally doesn't make the slightest bit of sense. Like if something is in the physical, it is 3D. <laughs> We're in the 3D. So if something is here in the physical, it is 3D. It is not 5D. It is not 4D. Um, what people refer to as 5D is like the astral plane, but I wouldn't necessarily consider it 5D. It's not like there's five specific dimensions. Um, it's That's something you kind of just have to experience for yourself as you get more sensitive, as you get less dense, you have more of an ability to tap into that um, with the breath work or with meditation in any, in any form. You, you can kind of go more into the astral, but really like for me, the only time that I've ever been able to really do it, like on command, like where I could just close my eyes and astral project, that's like only on dry, on, on breath fast. So like when I'm not eating anything, like not drinking anything. Okay. But, um, another thing like is the sauna. Like if you're like in super heat, um, I noticed that with the breath work in the sauna, it's a lot easier to astral project in the sauna than it is like at regular temperature. Okay, no, I get what you're saying. But my, um, what I wanted to um, really ask you was, what would be the purpose of astral projection? Like, why would I even want to do that? So you're exploring more of yourself. So when you astral project, you go within the body and you're exploring the wor the, a world that feels external, but you're really just exploring yourself. And a big thing, a big problem, like basically the cause of all disease is pride. It's the initial disease that causes all other disease. And it really just lies with lust for your idea of yourself or identification with the physical body. And astral projection is an experience that permits you to realize that you are a lot more than your physical body and that your physical body is a vehicle that you're currently occupying and driving and not all of you. So it's like you, the body is you, but you're not the, you're not just the body. We are the awareness of the body. Exactly. So once you, once you realize that you're not limited to the physical body, you don't identify with it. You use it as a vehicle and a tool and you want to take care of it. A lot of people destroy the physical body because they hate themselves because they think that all they are is the body. 
And then, okay, so go into that. I think that's interesting. Why would they hate the body? Because they feel limited? It's like they feel limited to the body and then society teaches us to not like the body. So, you know, society teaches us that we're not like Instagram models, so we're ugly. Or that, you know, we don't have like the craziest eight pack, so we're fat. And like, you know, I'm not as good of an athlete as this guy. And, you know, you compare yourself to people because society is designed for us to compare ourselves as if we're, as if we're in competition and we're not all each other's reflections. So that sense kind of, that limitation of, of thinking that I'm only Nick Caputo is kind of a main reason why people hate themselves and they're living out of alignment anything that lives out of alignment is initially going to be suicidal because it's not in alignment with nature nature really kill, pretty much kills off everything that doesn't align good point and so in the sense of people are living out of alignment because they're working jobs they hate is that what you're saying Mm -hmm. They're working jobs that they hate. They eat food that's not meant for them. They're forced pretty much by society to do things that don't align with them. They're suppressed and not able to do the things that they want. Like I remember when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was go to an island and surf. And I would have been fine with a shack and a surfboard and doing nothing but that. But society had me go to school and play all these different sports and do all this different shit. And it's like, I was living so out of alignment. There was a time in my life where I really did like want to self-destruct and drink alcohol and do a lot of cocaine and do a lot of fucking stupid drugs that were fucking damaging my body willingly um because i was so out of alignment and i knew it and i felt like there was no way out and that's how a lot of people feel they feel like they're trapped in this system of like suppression where like they have no way to actually live the way that they want to live and you know if that's the case most people just want to numb themselves and fucking slowly kill themselves most people mm -hmm. don't have the balls to do it straight up like put a gun in your mouth and most people just commit slow suicide Mm, good point. But they do have a choice in the sense of to get healthier, to spend more time in nature. Definitely. Most people just aren't educated about it. Most people don't know what getting healthy entails. Most people don't know what healthy is. They're like, oh, it's just going to, it's eating boring ass like leaf, leaves and shit. You know, people like most people don't really know even about raw veganism and how like amazing a lot of the food in raw veganism is. Uh, a lot of people like, you know, your general meat eater, standard American diet eater thinks that eating healthy is like eating Brussels sprouts and broccoli and that's it. And like, you know, like kale. And there's a lot of other delicious food that people don't realize that they can get into. And even the people who get into raw veganism don't realize that there's steps beyond that to be healthy. And sometimes people are stuck in areas of the world that don't have a lot of nature where it's like, there's not, there's not really too many options and they're stuck in a job that keeps them there. And the thing is that I like to refer to this kind of situation for people is like, you're not stuck in a job. You're afraid to leave. It's all out of fear. Um, you know, people are like, oh, I have kids or, oh, I have this. It's like, you will always be stuck until you get yourself unstuck. Like no one is going to get you unstuck except you. Like I had the opportunity to work a job in finance right out of college and I decided not to do it because I didn't want to spend my life at a desk. And I knew that if I started that job, I would have been stuck. And I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna quit. Mm -hmm. and I just decided to quit before I started and start doing this. And I wasn't making any money my first year. I, I coached for free, and I just ran the Instagram. And my parents were like, "You're making no money. What the fuck?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Yo, just have faith in me. Like, I know I have faith in myself. I know this is gonna work out. I'm putting all my energy into it, and I'm manifesting it. If I get a job right now, I'm not gonna put all my energy into what I want, and then it's not gonna manifest." So I'm not getting a job. Fuck you. Not doing it. And a year later it worked out. Now, not everybody's in a situation to do that. And I mean, for different people, what you want to do, you don't necessarily need to wait a year. Like I didn't need to wait a year, but I was still a college student. And my parents were still paying for me. So I had the luxury of doing that. But I mean, you could start like starting an online store, making online money in today's world is not that difficult. Like you could, write an ebook about anything that you're knowledgeable about and sell it on Instagram and make decent money because everybody wants to learn these days and everybody wants to learn things online these days. So it's not like you don't have to be a health coach to, to quit your job. You know, yeah. you can do pretty much anything. Like if you're a barber and you're stuck at a barber shop, you can write a book or make a video course about cutting hair and put that up online and then quit your barber job and just teach people how to be barbers, something like that. Um, being a teacher in today's world is really the wave uh, if you want genuine financial freedom. So that's really what I would say for people, like the best 
course of action. If you're, if you feel stuck in a lifestyle that doesn't align with you, just make the move, take the risk, do something you've always wanted to do and figure out what lights you the fuck up and find a way to make money doing it. Yeah. I agree with you that before you quit your job. You can figure it out before you quit your job. Make your online store, wait till it starts making money, and then quit. True, true. Yeah, we were, sold the, we were sold the lie that it's so fearful to go out on your own. It's so interesting. And it's really not that difficult. Like, all you have to do is give something your energy. If you put all your energy into something, it will manifest as you want. And if you stay in alignment with who you truly are and that creation of yours reflects your true self, other people will resonate. And then tell us again, why did you move to DR? Um, so the DR specifically, I moved there because of the COVID nonsense. And they were one of, one of seven countries at the time that weren't testing upon arrival. So I went there because I didn't want to get the test. And yeah, that's pretty much why I went to the DR. It was between Mexico, DR, and Tanzania in Africa. And Africa just seemed like real far. And I just, I never been there before. Mexico seemed like it was super mainstream. Like I feel like a lot of people from the US were going to be going to Mexico and it was going to be a lot more Americanized, which I kind of didn't want because I'm not a big fan of the United States. And uh, that left DR. And I already been, I've already been to the DR where I, where I live now. I went there like four years ago on a surf trip. So I was already familiar with the area. I knew they had good waves. I knew they had good fruit. I kind of like was familiar with the area already. So I just, just made the move. Mm -hmm. And then tell me, why are you not a big fan of America? A lot of reasons, (laughs) a lot of reasons. Um, One is like just the government in general and the way that uh, like the police are and stuff like that. Um, And the, the constant like, annoyingness of everything like you know public officials that are that swear an oath to the constitution and really don't defend it and aren't really even aware of their purpose um and just the way that society is like everybody here lives in fear everybody you walk around and you can feel it the whole thing with the masks now um all of the the news and the media like in the dominican republic or like in most tropical countries especially like well i'm speaking for south america like i've I've been to a couple of different countries down there, like Jamaica, Nicaragua, the DR, even Mexico. A lot of people um, are just more in the moment, more aware of the present and like less is more. A lot of people with a lot less are a lot happier than people in the US. A lot of people, like most people here are not happy and it's energy, especially as somebody who's sensitive like I am, um, it's not really energy I prefer to be around. I'd, I'd prefer to be around like the little kid with a stick running around, like, you know, having a ball or people, you know, like grown ass adults that are surfing, that are having a great time out in the sun compared to, you know, going to Whole Foods in New Jersey and having a million people with diapers on their faces stare at me like I have a million heads and you know, like argue with people over nonsense and people talk about politics, like which pedophile are we going to pick to take away more of our rights? It's like, everybody's just so misaligned here. and um, I would say for the most part, most people are so much less receptive. Like people in other places of the world are so much more receptive to new information because they're not being funneled with so much misinformation. Like Um, they don't really have the news in the DR. They do, but like people don't watch it. There's no like, you know, the cops aren't driving around pulling people over. They're at their station and they just stop everybody on the way and they just check you and then you're good. And then like, you know, like little surf towns, it's like, I don't even have a TV. Like, you know, people like we surf, we hang out and we do our thing. Like I go to the beach, you know, there's places to get naked on the beach where there's nobody. And, you know, you can walk through nature. I I walk to the beach in the morning and there's cows and there's horses and there's goats and there's all different like animals and there's cats and dogs and everybody's happy. And it's just like countries like that are just, in my opinion, more better to live in than than the u.s and i'm not a big fan of industrialization in the first place like i don't like the city i don't like seeing huge neighborhoods of all houses and like i'd prefer the, the more natural stuff like humans are so weird like no other animal builds houses to protect themselves from their natural home it's and i mean the reason why we build houses is because we cut down all the silicone trees 
And if you want information on that, I posted a documentary on my YouTube about it called No Forest on Flat Earth. There were, and it's not to say that I'm a flat earther, but I mean, I'm definitely not a round earther either. But um, we, uh, what's it called? We cut down like all, you know, think about like the biggest tree that you've ever seen in your life. The biggest tree on earth is no older than 15,000 years old. And earth is supposedly billions of years old. So like, where are all the trees? Trees don't stop growing unless they get cut down or unless they get poisoned. And, you know, if the biggest tree on earth is only a couple thousand years old, the biggest tree you've probably ever seen in your life, the biggest tree I've ever seen in my life is only maybe like a thousand years old, if that. So like, imagine a tree that grows for like 500 million years, how big that tree would be. There was, there were silicone trees that were over 20,000 feet high, like not even more than a thousand years ago. And when the Europeans like basically took over the world, they cut down everything for paper, for whatever. They cut down everything. Like Earth used, the movie Avatar is about Earth. Yeah, I heard that. It's so interesting. Um, yeah, I had to ask you that because I think that, um, you know, I live in Atlanta and it's just so many people. Um, and so I try to go hiking as much as I can because I love I'm hiking. surrounded by tall buildings. Mm-hmm definitely yeah you got to do what you got to do like even in jersey like at least like like right now i'm i'm down in tom's river so it's like by the by the ocean like i have the beach i went to the sunrise yesterday and today and like at the beach and you know that's usually where i spend my time when i'm down here and then my family also lives a little more up north like near new york city so whenever i'm up there like me and my friends a lot of times we go to new york or pennsylvania and we go hiking up there yeah but, yeah, the nature is really key. Even just a park, just to go around like grass and trees is worth it. Um, that's, I'm lucky the town that I grew up in has like lots of parks. It's like one of the most like densely populated with parks, like towns in the whole like area. But yeah, um, even that, like it doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> I, like in the DR, it's like there's mountains. I, and I drive a quad. I don't have like a car. It's just like a four wheeler. And I can take that up in the mountains. I can go to the beach. I can do like what, pretty much whatever. And it's like almost all nature, like anywhere where there's houses, it's like there's very small areas where there's like little little towns and cities, and then it's just nature for miles. And it's just like, in my, it's just more fun to be around. Like it's more interesting. I'm driving by and I'm like, oh shit, look at those papayas, you know, like so, stuff like that, or like there's animals just free roaming everywhere. Like there's just like horses and cows. And I mean, most of the time they are in like a confined area, but like they get out every day. Like one day, like I was doing breathwork on the beach and all these cows just like storm onto the beach, like 40 cows. And they're all like jumping around playing like, Hey, we out here. And then like, you see the dude come with the stick and then like everybody goes back and he's laughing. And he's like, what's up? And like, they bring the cows back into the thing, but the cows get out almost every day because the fences are literally just sticks stuck in the ground. <laughs> so it's like they're not free but like they're kind of free like they do their thing so it's kind of cool to see mm, i love it i love it that's such a uh, comparison between humans right exactly exactly it's like those cows down there are freer than the humans are here <laughs> yeah 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 okay so where do you i know we talked about a lot time flew by thank you so much for joining me this is great um cool. where do you want to leave everybody with um just be aware of every moment like be grateful have that gratitude attitude for every breath um and just know that you're exactly where you need to be on your journey like if you were if you're experiencing something you're meant to experience it so everything that you could possibly experience or see in this physical world is you the body is the projector like the 3d printer that prints this whole world for you so everything that you're seeing is a reflection of you even other people in your life that you don't like they embody parts of you that you don't like so fully accepting yourself allows you to fully accept the world and yeah just know that you're exactly where you need to be and you already are everything and you need nothing mm, i love it i love it okay so where can everybody find you so you can find me on Instagram as uh, at Grub from the Garden, and then the backup account is at the Caputo Method, uh, just in case they ever take down the Grub from the Garden one, because <laughs> they've given me warnings before. They uh, have. Yeah, multiple times. Because every time I talk about COVID and masks and vaccines and whatever, they always flag me. And no, I feel you. There's a lot of pruning people about that. Guidelines that I'm violating, you know, just trying to like save people from the system, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Then in addition to Instagram, you can find me on YouTube as the Caputo Method. 
you can go to my website, which is not up yet officially, but it will be soon. That's the CaputoMethod.com. It's currently getting built. In the meantime, it's Gumroad.com slash Grow From The Garden for the online store right now. That's where you'll find all the eBooks and stuff available right now. But eventually it will be the Caputo Method, like within about a month or so, it'll be the CaputoMethod.com and on Twitter as the, the Caputo Method. Okay, sounds good. I will place your links below. Thank you so much for joining me. Y'all, be sure to like, share, subscribe to the podcast, DM either of us if you have any feedback, and have a great day. Bye.